the pride of Limerick, a young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 97 of the Severe MMA podcast is back. My name is Sean Sheehan. I'm here as I am every week with Graham McDonald over on SevereMMA.com. This week we're going to talk about UFC 206. We're going to talk about the event that's coming up in Sacramento. We're also going to talk about the Bamator card, which is an amalgamation of Bama and Bellator. It's coming up in Dublin this week. Um, we're going to look at your fan questions at the end of the show. We're also going to look back at Albany, and we're going to talk other stuff as well, like Cyborg, um, Dana White's comments on Cyborg, the 145-pound division, um, and Mike Goldberg, uh, and, and the rumours of him leaving the UFC and, and more. So we'll get to that in a couple of seconds. Before that, um, let us just thank our sponsors, rosnutrition.com. Head on over to rosnutrition.com. You can get all the best supplements. They're Ireland's leading supplement provider. Very, very reasonable prices. Quick delivery, cheap delivery. You know, they, they have everything you really want. Um, all the best protein powders, lean muscle for fuel, health, uh, women as well. You can get... Um, you know details to what you actually need so if you're a ga player they have detailed stuff for what you need for mma for you know any martial arts so head on over to rosnutrition.com they have some great stuff like you look at their their gum powder um um they have uh BCAAs, vitamins, all that good stuff. Uh, you can get 25% off your first order with the promo code SEVEREMMA. Head on over, rosnutrition.com. Get what you want. Stick it into your um, stick it into your, your cart. Go in there. Where it says promo code, stick in SEVEREMMA. You'll get 25% off your first order. Boom. Graham, how are you? Good, good, good. How are you? I'm not too bad. No, I can't complain. Good, good weekend of good of soccer there. Liverpool drew. They're gone terrible. They lost the week before. Man United win. Yeah. So it's, it's all great. Yeah, we, 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 uh, mid-table team Man United did us a favour against uh, Champions League rivals Tottenham, though. So it was all right in the end. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad. I was hoping Liverpool's false hopes would be drawn out a little bit more, but the fact that they're already out of the race is a little bit disappointing. I was hoping, you know, I was hoping. Champions League, let's be honest, these provincial leagues are just a waste of everybody's time. Yeah, that, a Liverpool fan would say that, wouldn't they? I bet you they weren't saying that in the 80s. I wasn't alive to say it in the 80s. <laughs> exactly, or never alive to see Liverpool win, uh, win the league. But, ah, sure. Champions League. These things, uh, man, you know, who, 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 who won more Champions Leagues in your lifetime? Man, you know, Liverpool has won more Champions Leagues in your lifetime. Uh, if you cut it off at a specific time like that, that suits you. It's but very you, handy, no, isn't no, it? No, no, you just did that. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. You was, I wasn't even alive back in the 80s. Wait. You're the one who said it. Yeah. There, there you go. You're the one cutting I'm it off. I'm alive in the 80s. I didn't say anything about my lifetime, though. Ah, come on. Now, now you're stretching. Come on. Come on Man United fans, always stretching. <sighs> like the referees <sighs> trying to give you decisions. It's not easy being the best, Graham. It's not easy being the best. Anyway. You wouldn't know about that, would you? <laughs> I know exactly what that what you're talking about. Anyway, um let's let's get right into two oh six and look before we get to any of the rest of the card, let's talk let's talk about the main event. Um first of all, it was, obviously this card was held in Toronto. It was much maligned by many people coming in, but it turned out to be just an absolutely fantastic card. Um in the main event we had Max Holloway fighting Anthony Pettis for <coughs> for the um 
featherweight, the interim featherweight title with Jose Aldo really now, the, with Jose Aldo now the champion after Conor McGregor was stripped. Um, Anthony Pettis missed weight before the fight, and obviously, if he had beaten Max Holloway, he wouldn't have been the interim champion. But uh, it turned out Max Holloway won and did become the interim champion. First off, Graham, all the build up to it, Anthony Pettis missing weight. What, what were your thoughts going into the fight? Now, I know I picked Anthony Pettis last week, and you were not ruling him out or anything. You picked Holloway, but after he missed weight, were his chances gone? Um, no, I don't think his chances were gone. Um, no, I didn't really change much in the fight for me that much. Like, a little bit, but not really. Um, I thought I thought Max was going was gonna, to uh, over-volume him anyway, so that's what happened. Yeah. Um, some weight by three pounds, yeah. It's, it's not a good look, like... Uh, He's going to, I think he said he's going to go back to 155, so that's probably the best move. Yeah, I think, I think the fact that Pettis was only one fight into, the, into his featherweight run meant that he wasn't, you know, he wasn't making weight in the proper way yet. He wasn't, you know, you, you speak about, you, you remember Conor McGregor used to say all the time that, you know, it, it's a science how he got down to that weight, how he made 145, and he had obviously a huge cut too. I think it's similar for Pettis. He just hadn't found the science yet. As I said, he, you know, new nutritionist for this camp, and I'm sure he, like, he did a great job and everything, but it, it's tough, you know, not everyone, you can't know your body straight away and how it's going to do, you know, these things take time, and I think Pettis did have the time to get down a few times and have you know before he got to his title shot and didn't be used to making weight now that's not an excuse for him but that's kind of a thing that if this had happened say if he fought um okay he fought jeremy stevens in, in this fight in, in a non-title fight and he missed weight and he then he said like look i just can't do it i can't make 145 i'm going back no one would have batted an eyelid i don't think anyone would have said anything i think people have said look this is the first time he ever missed weight in his career he's not a 145 he was trying to get down because he had a few losses at 155 and and he's going to go back up so for me look i i can forgive i can forgive him like he's not going around like kelvin gaslam with loads of extra weight in him and stuff he actually like he looked very very you- uh drained as well what did you think of his talk about, oh, these things happen and like, oh, it was just too hard? It sounded like he didn't really try that hard. He didn't look that drawn out. Like, I've seen Conor McGregor look way more, way more dehydrated and drawn out. I've seen other people. I, I don't know if he tried that hard. No, he looked extremely fucking... <laughs> he looked drawn out enough. Like, McGregor looks worse than anyone because he's so fair-skinned and, it, like, it, I think it just draws out of his face. But look at Pettis's body. Like, there's not, there's just nothing on it. Yeah, I know, like, he's a he's a tan guy. That always makes it look better. But I don't know. He's Look at his face. Like, look at his face all week, even on the embedded and stuff. Yeah. He looks like... I remember a few years ago he was saying he was only cutting four pounds to get to, to get the lightweight. So that would be 14 pounds. Like, that's, that's nothing for a weight. Well, not nothing at all, but relatively to a lot of people. It's not much. You know when he said that? He said that when he was wanting to fight Jose Aldo at 145. So I wouldn't believe a word of it. You know, people say these things. I, I wouldn't believe it's that much. Yeah, I've, I've seen people look way worse. I, I don't think he put everything into it, to be honest. Yeah, maybe. But look, uh, let's get into the fight anyway. I suppose another bad thing for Pettis, he broke his hand almost immediately in the fight, um, according to him anyway. And it was, I think it, I think it changed everything that really not not everything that happened but everything that he had hoped would happen maybe you know i i pick better to win by a land and a big shot and i think that's the way he kind of fought too um but the fact that he had a broken hand meant that it was it was going to be very hard but the fight itself i think 
I think it showed what an excellent fighter Max Holloway is really because Pettis came out looking different than he has in a lot of a lot of his fights recently. He came, like he I said it on Twitter, he came out his lateral movement was very good. Something I've criticized him for a lot over the last year or so or, and even more. That's something that's been always been um a bad thing in his game, something that he's just not been able to do. But he came out looking good. You know, he was moving sideways, getting away from Max Holloway. And Holloway tried to pressure him to, for at the start, but it just wouldn't work. And I think Holloway showed that he can fight different ways because a lot of guys would have panicked there, like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not getting my game off this. You know, it's not working for me. And maybe, you know, got wild or something like that and left openings for Pettis. But Holloway was very calm. I thought he fought very well. He stood back, let Pettis come on to him, and then he countered him. And then, you know, he maybe maybe lost the first round. It was a little bit... Uh, he came into a little bit at the end of the, end of the first. But you could see by the end of that first that things were changing. Holloway just came on and on and on. And I think, you know... I thought it was just, I was very impressed that way. It wasn't, I don't think it was his best performance. I don't think it was Pettis' best performance. I don't think it was the best fight, but it was impressive. You know, he got the job done and what, what more can you say? You know, I thought, I thought it was very good. I thought Pettis was working his kicks nice early. He, he was being a bit more creative, like we were kind of talking about last week that he hadn't really done in a while. Like, kind of like the Pettis of old when, he, when he's not fighting a takedown specialist. But I think like there was a big left hook from Holloway with about, I don't know, about 40 seconds a minute left in the round. And it was, I think it was the biggest shot of the fight to that to so far. And he seemed to mark up Pettis. And Pettis kind of got a bit more urgent after that in the round. And he kind of pressed more. But it actually worked against him because Holloway just started picking him apart then for the last the last minute of the round. And then the failed takedown by Pettis uh, at the end of the round. I thought I thought Max just stole the round then because Pettis slowed down. He failed on the takedown. And he kind of chased around into punches for the last minute of the round. Yeah. Uh, I- but um, it was very close. Like uh, there were some big shots from Pettis early, like. But uh, I thought the biggest shot was that was that left hook from uh, Holloway. And then in the second, uh, Duke Rufus told him to go righty the whole time. Yeah, which was a bit strange. You think? I don't know. But uh, I think he had that because of the broken hand. Yeah, I don't know. Can you not just throw the broken hand? I've seen I've seen it be thrown when, when it's broken it's, many times. It's tough. Like Pettis sets everything up with his with, with his jab, and like it's very hard to throw a jab like a hard jab in someone's face when you have a broken hand. It just you know, obviously I, I don't know. I've never done it obviously, but I like I'd imagine the same powerism behind it. Just this, the same ability. You'd be a little bit, you'd be a yeah. little bit cautious. You kind of give yourself away a little though by by not throwing it ever and by changing to an opposite stance from it. Does Max Holloway not go? Oh, he's something wrong with his hand here. Yeah, but what, there was something wrong with his hand. Like, what know, can you do? Poker, you poker face it and you hit him in the face with it. What, what was it? Uh, George St. Pierre was told by Farah Sahabi about his leg. I don't want to hear it. Hit him with it. Yeah. Like, Max Holloway, I, mean, I was thinking about it last night. You know, Max Holloway is not the most technically brilliant fighter in the world. He's not the hardest puncher. He's not the best wrestler. He's not the best jujitsu. But he's just. He, I don't know. I, I, he just puts everything together really well, and he's he's intelligent. His fight IQ has improved so much. Like he made he made big changes in that fight. As I said, you know, we expected Holloway to come up with pressure, and he just he just didn't do that. He picked these moments extremely well in that fight. You know, uh, as as I said, 
Pettis is dangerous. Like you, you know, he and you, uh, you said it there. He came out and he he was throwing better, a little bit more variety than, than usual, which obviously ended pretty quickly uh, because of the broken hand. But Holloway did so well to avoid everything. You know, he got caught with a few shots, but it was there was nothing major. He didn't land any big shots. I think he did yeah. so. He he did so well just to avoid everything and and to land his big shots and win most of the exchanges. Yeah, I thought Pettis' uh, takedown attempts at the end of the first round and second round were real forced. They were like, oh, there's three yeah. seconds to go, let's get a takedown. But Max Holloway's ones were, were little trip takedowns were were nicely timed. He didn't he didn't look for them. He just waited for them to appear and then took them. I think Pettis was trying to force it a bit. He was trying to steal the rounds with, with, a, with a kind of little takedown at the end. But Holloway would seem to be ready for that. And Pettis' Pettis wrestling is, is decent, but it's not... It's not like top level. Like it's not as if he just he decides to take somebody down. He takes them down. And I think that actually tired him, tired Pettis out as well. He seemed um, he seemed slower after the first round after going for that that failed takedown. Yeah, he almost got one at one stage, but Holloway kind of I think it was lucky he was kind of against the fence and he landed up against it rather than going down. But uh, I I think Holloway did pretty well against the cage. I think if I had to score, I'd probably have Pettis winning slightly. But Holloway did did very well. He you know he turned and got him away a lot. I think Pettis had. Pettis' clinch game is pretty good. You know, we spoke about it last week. You know, he's obviously if if he's clinching someone up and he's trying to take someone down, you know, it's probably not going well for him. You know, but if, there's just so many deficiencies in, in Pettis' game that that it's hard. You know, <laughs> and especially when he has a broken hand, like he's not going to go out and box someone up. He needs to set up the big shots intelligently, and it's it's becoming harder and harder to do that because people. The way the question last week is he coming a bit predictable, <clears throat> and we, uh, like we, I think we both said yes. And it, if we think he's predictable, and if other people are thinking he's predictable, then the fighters he's fighting against who study his tape to a T obviously know he's predictable. They know the things he's going to yeah. throw, and you know it's it, it's tough for Anthony Pettis because his style <clears throat> he, he's just constantly trying to improve, and we see different things that he does, and he does show little improvements, but. The style that he had was a style that was really effective a few years ago, but the game has kind of overtaken him a little bit. You know, the game is now output, you know, power punches with the output. It's movement. It's, you know, it's adding in wrestling. It's changing up your game. And Pettis, you know, he tries to do that, but that's just not his game. You know, he's that's that's not his game. He's like a power striker, a hitter, and it's it's very tough for him to change out of that. Yeah, I think even though Max Holloway wasn't isn't the style that's beaten Holloway in the past or beaten Pettis in the past, it's a really really hard style matchup for for uh, a lot of people. Like he can take a serious shot, Max Holloway, and he, his volume is just he seems to just overwhelm people and just wear them down with volume over over rounds. Like five rounds definitely definitely suits Max Holloway. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Like Holloway as well, he's a guy that. As you say, he's like he's a tough matchup for anyone. That shows the Alder fight. Like I always pick against Holloway, but I probably I probably pick against him as well, just because Jose Aldo Jose Aldo is the master of kind of doing what Holloway does. If you know what I mean, you know, missing shots and winning exchanges and stuff. Um, but I'm I always rule Max Holloway. I didn't really rule him out this time. I picked Pettis, but I you know I knew Holloway had a great chance. But you know, it's it's Jose Aldo fight is going to be tough if Aldo fights him, but. Yeah, you know, he caught a great promo afterwards. <laughs> Where's of. Waldo? Where's Waldo? Yeah, he came out wearing... Uh, sport, butchered it down again. Yeah, fucking pricks. Yeah, they're always so There's a little known technique of uh, beeping. It's been around for decades. <laughs> yeah. uh, can we please 
really please catch on. Like, the what's best. going on? They just mute the whole audio of the whole, like, 10-second period of the interview or a 10-second portion of the interview. Just beep the swear words. And they actually missed a couple of swear yeah. words as well. It's like... <laughs> they beeped after motherfuckers. <laughs> fools. Like, it's ridiculous. They ruined McGregor's one. They ruined this one. It, it's, it's six in the morning. Like, maybe just some kind of some kind of TV law, but if there is, then just beep it. This whole, cutting the whole audio and is ridiculous. It's an absolute joke. We just saw a man got his face bludgeoned, like, up against the cage and you're beeping out someone saying, motherfucker, like, what the fuck is going on? You know, come on, get over it, like, but, um, I suppose, before we get to what's next for Holloway, what what did you think of the finish? Uh, personally, like, I thought, Pettis uh, is a guy who is very, obviously very hard to finish. It's the first time he's ever finished, but, <laughs> He usually, when he gets into a position like that where he, maybe he's getting a little bit overwhelmed, he usually is very good at fighting out of it or, you know, landing one shot or throwing something just to make someone weary about coming in with, with the amount of volume that, that Holloway did. But I think Holloway landed one ferocious shot to the body. Then he landed, I think it was a right hand. And, and Pettis just kind of, you know, he kind of went, leaned over himself. He kind of got his head over his toes and... Holloway just up the pressure like I, I spoke about it there like Holloway for the whole fight was picking his moments you know he wasn't coming forward wasn't throwing hard wasn't throwing he was throwing with volume but off kind of off the backwood or in the pocket wasn't pressuring him but the second he saw an opening the second he saw Pettis was hard he just came steaming forward and took him out you know I, I think Pettis maybe Pettis of old would have would have came through that and fought back, but I think yeah. with Pettis of old would have had better cardio. Yeah. He wouldn't have wilted, wilted that easy, I think. Yeah. Um, I think like when you're undefeated or or maybe, okay, he lost to Bart Polishevsky, but nobody really thought that that was, that was the right decision. Uh, and even Clay Guida, when you, when you haven't been finished and you're like kind of believe that you're the best, I think you can kind of push through these things more, it seems, yeah. through, through watching fighters over the years. Once Once they lose a few times, then they kind of they, they seem to doubt themselves a bit more. We could be reading too much into it. Maybe it was the body shot. Like that was there was a couple of the really nice body shots in there. He hit him to the head. The volume was more than any single strike being like really powerful, but just consistent, powerful, powerful enough shots just overwhelmed them. I think, and he, I think he just, I think he just kind of took a knee. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, I think. If we're looking ahead, I think 155 for Pellis is, is the best place for him. Um, I'd like to see him give him, give him the slow roll, you know, yeah. give him... They could build him back up with five yeah. or six points that he'll win and look really good in. Like they could, if they choose to. Yeah, like you said there, it's confidence for a guy like him. He's a, you know, he's a confident-looking guy. He, he works well when he's with confidence. And he needs confidence in this new game he's trying to fight because he did well in that first round, as I said. You know, he's, his movement was something that is has been a thorn in his side for his whole career. And then for finally finally it clicked. You know, it clicked in that first round. And if he could keep doing that, you know, give him give him fights. Give him Joe Lawson rematches. Give him you know, give him fights like that. Where, <laughs> Poor Joe Lawson, what do you <laughs> Where he can, you know, he can look good. Give him fights like that, I, I think, and and see what's see if you can build him back up. But I think for Holloway it's tough to know what's going to be next for Holloway because is Jose Aldo going to fight? They're rumoured February, I think early February is UFC 208. Not a hope in hell Jose Aldo's going to fight early February, I think, unless he's been told it's already, you know, that fight has been booked for like the last yeah. month or something, which could be possible. 
There probably would have been more talk about it if it had already been a done deal. Like even just in the media, even if it's not a not a report, whatever people are just talking about it. It's hard to know what he's going to do. Like the last thing we heard from him really from his mouth was he's not fighting anybody but McGregor. Other people around him have kind of said, "Oh well," but until he says it, it's kind of you know he's 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 um. He's stuck in his ways. No, I'm not stuck in his ways, but he's stubborn. He's stubborn yeah. in these ways. Like <sighs> it's really hard to know what Aldo. It's, it's always hard to know what Aldo at the best of times, and in this mess, it's it's really hard to know. Yeah, Max Holloway's gone on the the old Conor McGregor. Will he even show up? Will he pull out <laughs> again as well? Which yeah, I think. Where's Waldo? <laughs> yeah, which I think like he's playing a very um. I remember when, when Aldo did like the, the clown and the jester thing and he came out with like a card with McGregor's yeah, face and so Yeah, but Holloway is like playing into that. You know, he's trying to draw like the Brazilian out of him, if you know what I mean. You know, you <laughs> talking about the where's Waldo thing and so but yeah. It's mad how much Max Holloway has changed since since he since he fought McGregor. Like when we were doing the documentary, we interviewed uh, Holloway beforehand, before the, the, the press conference in Boston. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how basically talking as if he's going to lose he was talking about how he hopes that conor mcgregor hype train continues and it's great for the division and all this stuff and if you listen to him now he's like a completely different person like he he just he's thinking differently he's talking differently he's fighting differently he just he's completely different yeah yeah you know i suppose it's a confidence thing as well you know winning winning 10 in a row is you know it's great for him and he was young then he's young now still but he was even younger then Mm Yeah, definitely. And, you know, he's come on so, so much as a fighter. How do you see that Jose Aldo fight going? I see Aldo winning. Yeah. But, um, Holloway, he's getting better and better every 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 bout, like every fight. He's, I wouldn't rule him out. Like, I wouldn't rule him out. Yeah, I mean, I suppose we'll, we'll talk about that, uh, you know, a lot as, as, uh, as it comes up, if, if it ever happens. So, um, we leave that there. Yeah. We'll have a few questions about it later on. But let's look at the rest of the UFC um, 206 card. Before we get to the, the big ones, um, I think Matthew Lopez put on a good display against Mitch Gagnon. Obviously, we had... Yeah, uh, I think Mitch Gagnon looked, looked a bit ring, rust, ring rusty. Oh, yeah, he, did, he didn't look great. Yeah. Um, Mirza Sarkhanov beat yeah. Nikita Karlov. Very <laughs> good, display. good display. Uh, Olivia Oban Mercia as well. Rear naked choke drew over. Another... Very good display, and I suppose the the biggest thing from the undercard, Lando Valera knocking out, <laughs> knocking out John McDessey. Lando just looks so good, doesn't he? Ah, uh, lucky kick. <laughs> lucky, <yeah. laughs> uh, just true and perfect technique landed. Perfect. Uh, lucky, yeah, it was all accident. Yeah, it was, all accident. It was like the the slip and the slippery canvas again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. I, I like people are saying oh, he's very like McGregor. I don't think his style is mm, like McGregor no. that much, but you know what is like McGregor? It's how confident and how calm he is in the octagon. That's something we don't see very often. You know, we don't we see guys coming out and you know their shoulders are tight and they're throwing fucking big power. Uh, you know, kind of like Aldo against McGregor. You know, just I think it's a year today actually since that happened. So, but Venata is just so loose. You know, to throw a spinning wheel kick a minute and forty. He's, and, he's loose with his footwork and stuff, but his head, his head movement didn't look yeah. great. He was getting hit constantly at the start of, at the start of the fight by McDessey, who he was a good striker, but he's not exactly top ten striker, you know. In the yeah. And he was getting he, he was getting touched up, but maybe that was an overconfidence thing. Nearly like he was he was going in there to, to put him away quick, and then then it worked. So you can't really yeah. you can't really, you can't really argue with that. 
Yeah, that, that's the thing I noticed as well. Yeah, and in a minute and 40 as well, how many times he actually did get hit, he got hit a yeah. good bit. But, he just got hit about 10 times, did he? I don't know. Yeah, he, he, and he got hit hard too. It's just, I don't know, it's just the way he fights, like he's a, he's an exciting fighter. It's yeah. That can improve as well. We, we've seen guys like that before who get hit an awful lot and do improve that way. And either way... He's more and more comfortable in the octagon as fights go on as well. Yeah, even if he doesn't, he's just going to be such a fun fighter to watch because of that knockout power he has and that fun striking, you know. Yeah. People people were saying, and maybe myself even, you know, didn't know him that well when he came in against Tony Ferguson, that was it the short notice thing, was it he was taking the chance that, you know, he was given a big chance, he was just gone out and kind of rose to the occasion. Nothing to lose. Yeah, but I, I don't think it is. I think he's actually a really good fighter, you know. Mm. Ariel interviewed um, oh, he yeah, interviewed him beforehand and he, he he kind of alluded to the fact that all of his camp are saying he's the next big thing, you know, and this is a camper, John Jones, Holly Holm, you know, um, Rashad Evans, mm. all the best fighters in the world over the last few years. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them came from, you know, and if they're saying Venata's the next big thing, who are we to say he's not, you know? Yeah, teams talking up their own guys, though. You've got to be very wary of that. Uh, yeah, but they do, but they talk to Polly Holm as well. You've heard of many, many a gym warrior that, that's, never, that's never been able to do it. On the, not that Vanada's obviously done it in the UFC already, but just when people do, like, you know, coach picks his own fighter to win, like, kind of thing, or to do well. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. No, I don't think Jackson's like that, to be honest. I don't, you know, I don't think that you'd hear him talking about Leonard Garcia going to be the you know world champion. Or anything like <laughs> but uh, I suppose things will uh, we'll see how that goes. Who would you like to see him fight next? Any any cool matchups there on one one fifty five that you can? Um, you know? hmm. What about Pettis? <laughs> Send him back up. Jesus, yeah, Jesus, that would be a good fight, actually, wouldn't it? Yeah, uh, some, somebody be going down in that one as well. Um, you know, maybe a bit quick for Fernando, maybe. Maybe yeah. There's there's a lot of good guys around there. Maybe a Dustin Poirier. Um, Dustin Poirier is kind of, kind of the guy, unfortunately for Porter him. Or Dustin Poirier. <laughs> yeah, he he's given like he's given Joseph Duffy, even though he won that fight, given Conor McGregor. I don't know who else is Mike Gibbler? Johnson? Gibbler. Mm, yeah. Probably too tough. I don't know. It's, I probably lean Gilbert there, but uh, it's hard to know about both of them because. Gibbler at the end of his career and Vanada's very young in his career. Yeah, Gibbler could wrestle him as well. Yeah. You'd never know. But yeah, whoever he gets anyway, I think it'll be. Good. Are you sure? Too, too high up. Too high up. You think so, yeah? Ah, yeah, way too high up. He's two fights into his. He's one and one DLC, like. Yeah, I've never been overly impressed with Benil Darius, though, to be honest. You serious? I think he's really good. Yeah. I thought he lost one of the fights that he was given, I think. I don't, yeah, think, Johnson. I don't think he did. I think he won that. I do, he had like 18 failed takedowns or something in the fight. It's a bit ridiculous. I'm sure these things happen. Look. <laughs> they do indeed. <laughs> right, we get to the main, uh, main card. So, uh, Emil Mech took on Jordan Mean and he won a unanimous decision. Um, and he broke all his everything in his body during the fight somehow. Yeah, it was odd as well because he broke it from like a takedown. He bro- I broke a rib if you weren't watching. Um, it looked he like broke he broke a hand a as well and somewhere else. Hand? Oh, Jesus. And a jaw as well. And I, th- I, think he, I think somebody was saying afterwards that he had like a, a few different things going on afterwards. Jesus. Yeah, he, he did look beat up and I, it's not that Jordan Mean really beat him up that much. <laughs> kind of just, <laughs> <you> know, uh, <laughs> Crazy. Kyle just injured himself. Yeah, he did. I thought he was going to get the finish early, uh, but it, it didn't come. Um, I think Mean did well for the first round, and then the last two, like Mean is like 
he's so weird. What is he like? Twenty eight, but he's had like forty fights, and he hasn't fought in like a year and a half. He, he looks like a shot fighter. You know, well, he has retirement as well. It's like if you if you if you retired the last time, I know. You're, I don't know if you're if you're these guys wanted so much like these guys in the UFC around you. If you're kind of thinking retirement, yeah. Yeah, and Mick as well. Kinda he's a guy. Boy. He's a guy that's been talking up. You know, he's been saying, "I'm going to be a UFC champion." He's kind of a head down guy like that. You know, who who wants it? Who really, really wants it? You know. Yeah, he, he think he needs to work on his technique a bit if he's going to make it to the top of the division. But he's definitely uh, exciting to watch, and he's yeah, he brings it. Brings it hard. Yeah, I was I was impressed with him. Now, in fairness, he obviously showed a little bit. He, he's take down defense. Maybe he needs a little bit of work as well. He got taken down once or twice, and. He needs to calm down. He and does, yeah. more and that'll happen as well, though. I suppose first fight in the UFC, and you know, I think that Husamar Pal Harris uh, fight stood to him. I know it was only a short fight and everything, but when you test yourself against a good guy like that outside of the UFC, I think that's always a benefit because then you know, okay, I'm good enough to beat these guys in the UFC. You know, Husamar Pal Harris ran through a litany of guys in the UFC, and you know, I think for him to beat him, he kind of uh, it kind of gave him great uh, great confidence, but um. The next fight, I suppose, was Kelvin Gaslam against against Tim Kennedy. Yeah. And to be honest, I, I spoke about Mean being off there for a while to come back. Kennedy looked horrific in this fight. Yeah. He just looked God absolutely damn. terrible. Like, I picked him to win because I thought his size and stuff it, would see him through. But Early on, though, he, he, he was really he dominating. Was, yeah, he was doing well. He just, he just used up all of his gas, it seemed. It seemed he seemed visibly tired, even before the end of the first round, which is very unlike Tim Kennedy. Usually he can put up a very high pace. Tim Kennedy as well, he's a guy who shows damage worse than maybe anyone. You know, he when he yeah. gets hit, he's like I was talking to Patrick about it, he's like a WWE wrestler selling it. Like he just he gets hit and he goes, Ooh, kind of you know, it's it's he's like stretch armstrong or something. He's very you know, he's I don't know, he's like a liquid body or something. Maybe maybe that's the way he fights, maybe he tries to be loose and stuff, but I don't know, he's just he's he's very bad that way but I think Kelvin Gastelum I think was another great performance from Gastelum like, he's such a good fighter Kelvin Gastelum yeah. um, he's just he's striking is, he's so good it's so crisp he's good, good defensively doesn't get hit that much good takedown defense good wrestling himself I, like I'm a real fan of Kelvin Gastelum it's just making the weight of one, one, uh, 170 that's a big deal for him I hope he stays at 185 you know he, he, be, he just beat Tim Kennedy but Tim Kennedy's like number 5 in the world What's to say he can't beat everyone else? You know, if I was him, I'd stay there. Fuck it, eat a lot of cheeseburgers. Be grand. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. If he's not gonna make, if he's gonna make one seventy, I've no problem with going down there. But if he's gonna go down and just miss one week or miss one fight, miss the next or make it the next fight, it's just, it's just fucking him up. He, he's just not gonna be able to climb the ladder to a title shot in either division if he's jumping from jumping from division to division like that. Yeah. So we, I think he needs to pick one and just maybe middleweight is maybe it's maybe it's too much to to make the weight and he can't improve his, his uh, fighting ability in between when he's concentrating on the weight. Yeah, from what I've heard, it's he can make one seventy handily. It's just he's you know he's on the Sean Sheehan diet kind of job. You know he's he's very, apparently he's very very bad outside of outside of camp. Just balloons up and away. <clears throat> he said um. He who was he talking to? Maybe Ariel or, or he was talking maybe to UFC or someone. And he said before his um before his last welterweight fight, who was he meant to fight? Cerrone at UFC two hundred, wasn't it? He he missed weight, but he he lost like forty two pounds or something to get down. 
So that means he missed weight. So he, I think he missed weight by like 10 pounds or something, didn't he? He so actually didn't even step on the scale, yeah. I don't think, at he all. Was, so he, he never like, actually weighed in. Yeah, he was like 10 over. So that's 52 pounds. So he was wearing 170 plus 52. What's that? Uh, 222? 222. 222 pounds he's wearing, and he's fighting at 170. Uh, but as I say, I hope he, you know, I hope he stays a middleweight. I, someone, I think he actually mentioned Vitor Belfort. I think <laughs> yeah. that'd be a good fight. Make that happen, you know. I'd watch that fight as well. Yeah, make make that happen. But um, I'd watch anything now, so that's good. Yeah, you you wouldn't furnish. <laughs> right. Uh, let's move on to Cub Swanson versus Du Hochai. PC's going to be crying into his uh, smartphone <laughs> at the moment. Listen to this, but what what a fight! What just an unbelievable fight! Wasn't how first of all, how would you score it? Um. Uh, I had Incorrectly, it for, as far as I, know. I had it for Cub Swanson twenty nine twenty eight because uh, he he dominated the end of the, the third round, but he was he, he didn't dominate he didn't overwhelmingly dominate the the first the whole round the round as a whole, which is how you score ten eight rounds. But I did think about it before I gave the ten nine. But I think a lot of the I think a bit partially the uh, Du Hoi Choi being really tired uh, and exhausted made him look worse, made him look closer to being finished than he was. I don't think so. I think he. I think he did. He was stumbling. Yeah. Like he, I don't know. His head was in the air. He, he just made it look worse than it was. Like kind of like Tim Kennedy or, or Phil Davis when they get hit. He was making it look worse than it was. I think. I don't think so. When he hit the ground that time, he looked out for a second, and he kind of came back to life. Uh, he was. He nearly finished him in the start of the third round as well. Pettis did, and the Arvam um, uh, Swanson did. Yeah, and then he came back. He nearly finished him twice near the end, three times even. Nearly. He, Nah, yeah, no, he did. Yeah, I don't think last... he, nearly he nearly finished him once at the end of the round, but I don't think he nearly finished. Like he had him, he had him hurt a couple of times, but nearly finished him. I think is. I think he did. I think that was a definite hundred percent ten eight round. Like he he won the round. He won the round ten nine. If you don't look at the the bits where he nearly finished him, like he definitely nearly finished him at the start round. He yeah, but like around ten eight has to be overwhelmingly dominated by striking or grappling. By the, like overwhelmingly dominated, which I don't think it was. But he was winning, and then he overwhelmed him for the shorter period. Was, like it doesn't have to be. Oh, hold on now. If if you know the rules, well, they haven't come in yet. But you have to have three of them for it to be definitely a ten-eight round. Oh, this is this is January rules, though. This is yeah, we're talking but, December rules here. Uh, yeah, but I'm I'm talking about December rules as well. Grand. He like Dan Anderson versus Mighty Bisping. Those some of those scored ten-eights, weren't they? And he just knocked him down once, and that was it. You know, he nearly nearly finished him. You scored him ten-eights, I believe, didn't you? I'd have to go back and look. I can't remember. Yeah, and this this was even more so than that. I think that was. Uh, sorry I think for he was getting caught, caught with like he must have got caught with like 20, 25 punches, like maybe more strikes in that round. Like it wasn't it wasn't a one way domination in my opinion. It was close to a ten eight, but it just I think Choi did enough. Yeah, it wasn't one uh, domination, but he Cobb was winning ten nine, and then he nearly finished. Domination so. is how is what you need. No, for no, it's not. No, that's incorrect. No. A round to be scored as a 10-8 round when a contestant overwhelmingly dominates by striking or grappling in a round. All right, doesn't matter. Anyway, we we, we bought it. <laughs> we bought it. Cubs want to win it anyway. Um, I think he won the second and third round, and and do try won the won the first. But I think nobody comes out of this fight a loser, really. Yeah, no, but Cubs definitely won the fight. So yeah, yeah. I, I think you need to apologise to Cubs Swanson after your terrible remarks about him last week saying that Cub Swanson's not that good and he's finished and, all, and that Duo Chai was going to destroy him whereas I came out and said Go on, don't rule out Cub Cub's a good fighter uh, no, I said I was picking Choi but I, uh, I think uh, Cub's on a downturn I still think he is uh, he was loading up a lot it worked out for him because he landed the big shots in the end but he was loading up a lot he got very tired um, 
I think we we found out that Choi needs needs a good bit of work, and I think we find out more about Choi being slightly behind where we thought he was than than Cub being ahead of where we thought he was in that fight. Um, possibly. Did you hear Greg Jackson between rounds? Like, what did the fish say when he hit the wall? Oh damn! <laughs> he said that. <laughs> he asked him once during the during the round. I think Greg Jackson's yeah. cornering advice was absolutely tremendous and won Cubs once in this fight because yeah. he told him after the first round. To push Duho Choi back, that he can't fight off the back foot, and once Swanson started doing that, he had great joy and won the next two rounds. You know, um, yeah, and the uh, takedowns as well. Choi Choi's yeah. ground game was, just, was not not really there. Very bad. Yeah. yeah, like at one stage, Choi was on Cubs back, like he had Cubs back taken, and just to put in the hooks, and you know, I think it was after Cub had got hurt at one stage. But he just didn't. He just kind of laid there, sitting by me, and I was like, it was like a train in a nightclub. He was just <laughs> sitting there, and, and Cub, Cub just kind of got out of it. I was like thinking, Jesus, that that was pretty bad. And there was another time where I don't know if you have Cub and Mount, or he was he was in a half guard or something. I'm not, I'm not. He wasn't in a mount. I think he was in half guard maybe. And Cub kind of just kind of swept him easily, and then ended up in his guard. Yeah. And I was just like, Jesus. And the Cub ground game isn't isn't exactly top top five or six in no. the division. You no. know. Yeah, I, I I think um Choi had a kind of game plan of being precise and patient early, and he he was kind of he was he was doing all right, like, and then Cub was loading up on punches, and it, um, and then Choi just kind of got sucked into the kind of let's swing, let's let's do this, and Cub Swanson was loading up, and he, I think he has more power anyway, so when he was catching Choi, it, it was doing more damage, but. I think early on, the more technical punches were coming from Choi. Like he was snapping them out there, but he just kind of Cub just drug him, uh, dragged him into a dragged him into a war, and came out and like it was it was a good yeah as you say the the game plan the the cornering was all very good backing him up, not letting him come forward when he did come forward taking him down or at least threatening with the takedown because Choi obviously knows that his his ground game is lacking compared to his striking. Yeah. So yeah, it was a really good game plan, and it was a big win for Cobb. Like that was that was a badly needed win for him. Yeah, I think Duarte is still a, a huge prospect. In fact, I think more of him now than I did before the fight. To be honest, I think you know I think you can work on things like the ground game. He can he's obviously going to work on that a lot, and it's it's going to get a lot better. Now it's you know it's not terrible or anything. And Cobb, I think Cobb is a good black belt as well. He's good on the ground. You know, he obviously oh yeah, uh, you know he knows what he's doing on the ground, but he's not he's not like you know. Yeah. Like these unstoppable wrestling machines that yeah, that are 100%. around. Hundred percent. But it's it's very tough for a young guy like that as well, who's knocking everyone out to then get into a war, you know, like that. And he's been in wars before. I think Grabacki Hitman on on Twitter was talking about was talking about that as well. He's been in that before, so that's he he did well to come through. And he didn't look out of place. It didn't look out of place in it. But when you're fighting someone so kind of unorthodox as Cobb Swanson as well who throws cartwheel kicks for fun you know sticks one hand up in the air and punches you with another one that's that's something the guy who's like completely orthodox like Du Chai, it's totally alien to him so you know for him to even go three rounds and you know it was a close enough decision I think was uh, was was pretty good for someone so young in his career and he's going to come back you know build him build him up again yeah there was a lot of there's a lot of things to, to work on exposed to, or to work on there that yeah. he, he can he can round his game off it wasn't a it wasn't a complete disaster or anything. Like he, I think he had his, his chin a bit high in the air as the rounds went on. He kind of stopped tucking tucking his chin a bit, and yeah. maybe a lack of uh, fight experience. And Cub Cub obviously has a lot of fight experience. But um, yeah, no, I'm definitely not. Um, 
I'm definitely not ruling out Troy. He, he, what is he? 25, 26 still. He's, he's still mid twenties anyway. I could be wrong on that actually. He's, he's, I think he's around there anyway. So there's loads of time, and he could be Cup Swanson in the future. Maybe, it was, <clears throat> maybe it was a little, just a little bit too early for him. Yeah, only twenty five. Yeah, definitely. I, I'd be surprised if he didn't fight for a AFC title in the future. To be honest, I think he's he's that good. Yeah, I see him sticking around the top five or ten for for many many years. Anyway, definitely. Right before we move on to the UFC Abney card, uh, Don Sorney against against Matt Brown. For, never should have accepted the. Never should no. have accepted the hug. The hug. That it actually like it's a weird, but that actually lost him the fight. I think. Well, maybe not, but <laughs> <laughs> like Cerrone. That thud probably helped it. It did, but Cerrone for the first two rounds looked back like the old Cerrone. He looked like the Cerrone that that had you know mental problems. He looked like the Cerrone the that just yeah. yeah. And he was probably still winning the rounds. Uh, I think I think I had it nineteen nineteen. I'm not hundred percent sure now. Just just so many fights I can't remember, but. It was close anyway, and Matt Brown was, was doing pretty well. Cerrone was landing a head kick all night, but... Yeah, just... I thought Matt Brown won the second, because I think he dropped Cerrone hard. Yeah, he did, side. yeah. And he kind of, yeah. Cerrone won the first, I think. Yeah, yeah. But Cerrone just... He didn't look the, the loose Cerrone we've been seeing for the last while. He didn't add in the takedowns, you know. And Matt Brown is a guy who can't take, get taken down. He just... I don't know. He, he didn't look great. And I, I think last week we spoke about... Uh, this fight and it was before we saw uh, Matt Brown kind of getting in his face and refusing to shake his hands and stuff and against Cerrone that's a good tactic I don't know why most people don't do it like uh, Nate Diaz did it totally put him off his game Matt Brown did it here and put him off his game as well and you know, me now you, everyone knows I'm not a big guy for the, the whole mental game stuff I think it makes no difference most of the time but against someone who it does make a difference against you should do it and it's clear that it makes a difference against Donald Cerrone you know whoever's fighting him next better like knock his hat off or like push him at the end or something you know <laughs> it's, it, it just but the, the finish in the end I think uh, that hug it just you saw Fellaini he kind of shook it all off and he just looked back or, did I just call him Fellaini <laughs> yeah. I think <laughs> Cerrone um, he just kind of shook it all oh, off but he shook it all off and he just came out looking really loose and landed that head kick it was a ferocious head kick yeah, it was seven of them. He landed, he landed them. He landed them in the. He landed that kick in the first. I think he. I think he landed in each round. Mm-hmm. A couple of times. And the other fight card would probably would have been um, fight at night, but just not this one. One of the, one of the times actually, it was funny. Brown ran through a head kick and slipped, and Cerrone kind of fell into a triangle. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been pretty unfortunate for Cerrone <laughs> if he really got tapped there. Yeah, Cerrone's good on that position. I don't think, you know, I'd be very hard to see him getting tapped. Yeah, I think if, you fall, if you, he says he wants Maya next or whatever, you know, you fall into Maya's triangle. <laughs> you did. <laughs> You're coming up looking for air. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. yeah, but uh, that was very unfortunate. So I'm like, he, I, I think that was just kind of dumb luck from, from Brown more than anything, to be honest, on, on that triangle. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Right, let's let's move on to um, the fight card that happened the night before. We'll, there wasn't much happening in this one, so yeah. we, we'll keep it uh, we'll keep it short enough. Uh, just let, let's get to the the main the main card first. John Valente, I think, looked pretty good. Got got a good knockout. Yeah, it took his time kicking him in the legs, though, didn't he? When your man Indeed. was like about to collapse with any injury. Yeah, he looked tired. Like this was one of those fights where it was kind of ferocious for the start, and then Buck I got a little bit tired, and it was kind of a, a, a thing about <laughs> yeah, thing about a, a kind of thing of will. Um, the exact opposite is probably true for Corey Anderson who beat Sean O'Connell, who just put an absolute oh. whooping on him, just on destroyed him for for uh, half of a fight. It's a uh, just. Uh, 
I was very, very Colin impressed Holland with him. Dropped the Beeson twenty five eight name. He he's mm-hmm. only using it as a as a marketing tool now. Mm-hmm. Overtime, Corey, overtime, overtime, which is kind of the same thing, you know, because he's uh, more than he's more than yeah. But he should have kept it because it was so stupid. But did you know talk so about it? He, he he's intelligent about it though. He he used it because he knew it was so dumb. Which I never realized. I thought he was just dumb. <laughs> but no, he's not. He actually knew, <laughs> which makes him really intelligent in my eyes. Like, geez, this is the most impressive thing I've ever heard anyone doing. Like, it's just so good. Like, you got so many people <laughs> talking about him. Like, there's no way we would know Corey yeah, Anderson like, was. A few of my mates were up to watch the cards and they remembered him because of how dumb his, his nickname was. <laughs> it was a good win, impressive win. He yeah. called out Nikita Krylov. Obviously, he went on to lose, but um, Mish Serkinov beat Krylov, and I think that'd be a good fight. Serkinov against uh, against Koreans, and honest, they've already fought of it. I don't think they have, but yeah, that'd be that'd be a good fight. Speaking speaking of beasts, someone who beasts fucking twenty nine. What is it? <laughs> nine. Nine. Um, my boy, Team Sheehan, Francie Ingano. Against Anthony, against Anthony Hamilton. Just give me your thoughts, Graham. Um, he's uh, he's just too big, too strong, too. He's so powerful. Um, he just he just decided he was going to throw him on the ground and submit him, and then he did it. <laughs> he he really did. God, he's so, just yeah, such... it was real manhandling of a of a big heavyweight. Um, yeah. it's going to be very interesting to see him against. It's still hard to know. I know. <laughs> I know it's um he keeps winning impressively, but it's just hard to know how he's going to look against these top guys. Yeah, and the problem is he's going to he's going to be fighting them soon. Like that that is yeah. What's like you know we haven't seen a boxing combination thrown at him really, or <laughs> we haven't really seen everybody's kind of just been manhandled by him. Like yeah, he, he's he's unbelievable. Like, but I I yeah, I'd love Derek to Lewis though. Make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll get to him in a second. But just before that, like that that Kimura by by Ingano was just. It was just something else, like you know, a lot of people use it just to get off the fence. You know, I saw it. I was watching another fight there today. I can't remember what it was, but it, you know, a lot. Everyone uses it to uh, a Kimura kind of locker, just a uh, shoulder lock, wrist lock to get off the fence. But he, he's just like, ah, fuck it, I'm gonna take this arm with me. You know, he's just like, I crank this shit out of it. Yeah, get he's it. gonna throw you over here by your arm. Yeah. Okay. I, Andy Hamilton is nearly as big as him. You know, Andy Hamilton's a big athletic guy. I was looking, I was kind of shocked by by how big Anthony Hamilton actually was. You know, he's a big guy too, and for him to do that to him, he could do it to anyone. You know what fight I'd like to see next for Ingenau? Ryan Nelson. That's a man who he should fight. I think Roy Nelson. Mm, I think he beat Roy Nelson. I think Roy Nelson's uh, I think yeah, he's had his best days along behind him. I think it's time to give uh, front big Fran a, a test. I don't know. I, I I'd still like to see him. I'd still like to see him um, get another bit. He I think he called out Arlovsky today. Which well, maybe they should stick him in the main event for one more one more showcase of a, of a like a fight night main event. Maybe yeah, yeah an obscure well, one in like Manila or Australia or something. Yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be excellent. Get, get him in. I give him. I give him right now. Vol- Volkov. <laughs> oh, that'd be a good fight, like in in Europe. I think, yeah. There's there's a lot of guys you give him there, like you know. There's there's a lot of guys at at heavyweight that are. Travis Brown. Travis Brown. That'd be. Yeah, it'd be a tough fight, though. You know. Yeah. And that one, to be honest. Uh, I probably would too. Yeah, but. <sighs> Yeah, I think that Volkov fight actually makes sense. That'd be a pretty good fight. Arlovsky as well. You know, there's a lot of good fights from there. But yeah, uh, another heavyweight in the main event: Derek Lewis against Shamil Abdurrahim. 
I can't say it. Shami again. Shami. Just uh, you call yourself a mixed martial arts journalist. journalist. Abdur Akimov. <laughs> Shami Abdur Akimov. Just a fucking terrible, terrible, terrible fight with between one guy who's not bad and Derek Lewis. Sure, Derek Lewis did even throw a, did even throw a punch in the first two rounds. Like, what the fuck? Are you doing? He's just Free terrible. Round. Like, I, I think people like a lot of people tweeting me. You're right about Derek Lewis. <laughs> he just uses like his, his, his footwork was just atrocious. He, it was it was unbelievably bad. He tried to throw a jab at once. He, he actually wasn't even trying. It looked like he wasn't even trying to move his feet. He was just plodding, just being like, "Okay, whatever. I don't even want to be here." So I don't know. It was weird. He just didn't. It was like he didn't want to be there. That's how he fights always, though. He's he's terrible. He's Derek Lewis even is more than usual. Like at least at least at the very start of the fight, he usually tries to knock your head off real real quickly. Yeah. But this time he just stood there. It was it was it was strange. I think very strange. I think Shami did. It worked. Maybe, he, maybe he thought this guy's. I'm not going to gas out first. This is a five round fight. Yeah. Somebody's gassing out here, and it's not going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> I think Shami was. Uh, he, he was smart though. He like moved away from Lewis, and he realized that there's no way Lewis could be faster than him. And uh, if he could just wait for Lewis to kick, but keep enough of a range oh, from where only Lewis, can kick, he can just take him down. Somebody and he threw him every, time. In the corner. Like, every time he threw that slow kick, he got taken down. Yeah. I think Lewis hit him with a couple of uppercuts at one stage and did just nothing else for the whole four rounds of the fight that I went. Yeah. And he and won though. <laughs> and then he won. And then he won. Yeah, like he just got on top. And he just he's like, oh, I out. better win this now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was. It was a weird. What do you think of the stoppage? What do you think it was? I thought it was a bit quick, but I just thought there was no getting up. Like, you just couldn't get up once Lewis gets on top of you. Yeah, it's very know, when, when you're three rounds up though. Uh, like if the fight was three rounds, you're three rounds down, and it's just inevitable. Maybe uh, I know that's yeah. not the rules, but uh, you kind of see that happen. Yeah, I see. What but I was surprised at how quickly it was stopped here. But I do agree that it was nearly. It was. It was. Chances are, it was. It was going. Uh, it was going one way, and it was just ground a pound. Yeah. Shami, Shami's actually a good fighter. Like I, I was, I was impressed by him. Like not great fighter, but he's he's a good straight right hand, good wrestling, good good movement, and good footwork and stuff. For for the kind of mid lower levels of the UFC heavyweight division, he's not a bad guy to have around. You know, tough guy. Maybe even for someone like an Ingano, you know, a proving fight as well. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, you know a lot of people, and um, we spoke about it as well, were thinking, oh, why is Derek Lewis fighting this dude? And I think that Joe Silva realizes that Derek Lewis isn't that good either and they're just trying to get the most out of him while yeah. they can. You know? They got them up so that they can feed him to somebody like yeah. Big Fran. That, I think that'd be, it'd be good. Just just give him... Although you're... Heavyweights, like, he could be a Ryan Nelson for them like for years to come, you know, just headlining cards in... You know, in, in yeah, I think Ryan Nelson had a much bigger interest in him. Just the ultimate fighter and yeah. the Kimbo effect and... Him headlining the card, people actually wanted to watch it because because he's kind of just a, a mad character and they knew him. But Derek Lewis, yeah, he people love him though. They love his Twitter and his Instagram yeah. and stuff. Like I, I, I know, I know the the, the, the hardcores and stuff. But I'm talking, I'm thinking more like um, the people, the the, the casuals who, who kind of like they would have watched the Ultimate Fighter due to Kimbo Slice and then seeing Roy Nelson kind of pissing yeah. off Dana and beating up Kimbo and just being a dick basically. Great man. Um, yeah, he was having great. He was having great fun. He was refusing to finish anybody because he didn't want to risk anything. Yeah. Like, and Dana was going mad, and 
he's just winding up Dana the whole time. People love that stuff, yeah. like, you know. That is true, yeah. But yes. But uh, there's also the the Frankie Perez, Mark Jacquesi. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. I, I think we we talked about Jacquesi's wrestling last week and then he comes out wrestling, he looked he looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, it was weird the way the commentators kept talking about, oh, he's he's not known for his wrestling or something. It was kinda of weird. It was like he is known for his wrestling. Just because he knocked a couple of guys out recently doesn't mean he can't like that was his, his whole his whole career and his whole base is wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, it it was a it was definitely a good performance. I think Perez had a little bit of was it in the second round or something? He had a little bit of a purple batch. Yeah, second round he cut him open. He took him he got he got yeah. the top position and cut the Casey open with a few couple of elbows and I think the blood was running into his eyes and he was he was saying he couldn't see in between rounds, trying to get some water to spray into his eyes. And his corner as Joe Rogan's, or was it Rogan who was commentating? Yeah, no, it was uh, Brian Stan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, the corner was kind of panicking um, nearly in between rounds, as uh, as the commentators were saying. But he managed to to rally and get get on top in the third round and dominate and clearly win the decision. Yeah, 100%. Right, um, before we move on to the next card, you just mentioned commentating there. Let's let's get to this little issue before we we move on. There was. Hints and you know, a few words spoken about Mike Goldberg possibly leaving the UFC. I think Eddie Bravo came on the 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 um the Joe Rogan fight experience and he said, Okay, who's gonna who's gonna replace Goldberg? And then they all kind of like stopped talking and like changed the subject quickly. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. made it real obvious. And I think Dana White said something about it as well in, in an interview. What, what are your, I'm like, I think a lot of people do hate on Goldie and stuff. I like him. I think he's okay. You know, he's obviously a bit... Nah, he's awful. Let's be honest. He's uh, awful. I like he's him. Awful. I think he's like, a... He called a, a head kick by Donald Cerrone uh, against yeah. Matt Brown a body kick. Like, he, he just he just reads off Wikipedia for most of the, most of the rounds. Sure, like, that's what we do for it, a fucking podcast. No, I, I, don't, like, I don't do that at all. If I had gone to Wikipedia um, two months ahead of time and edited Shamil's or whoever's wiki to say that he was raised by wild dogs goldberg would have read it out yeah i don't know i think i think he's i think he's good i like Goldberg, but i think it may be a little bit of i like what's there already you know i just that's all i know yeah. maybe but uh, i'd be sad to see him go because i do like it i like to this i don't know what, the, what i'm trying to say but i i like who for for me if we're talking about replacements i like john Anik. i think he's good but I wouldn't like Janik to be. I don't the like all the time. all the way he keeps trying to Americanize everything. Like yeah, uh, and a hook. And a he weighed in at 145 and a hook and all the and he talks in like weird betting. He's trying to be real cool or something. That's really he can't weird. say buoyed either. You know, he said he's buoyed by that. That's not how you say it. It's buoyed. Like what the <laughs> fuck? That, that's the weirdest thing. I wouldn't worry but about I do that. Like yeah, pronunciation words. But like when he tries to kind of, I don't know, he tries to kind of slicken it up or something. It just, I don't know, it cheapens it, I think, to be honest. Yeah. There's a weird thing as well that they have this thing where, you know, they make the fighters say all their names into, um, into like, uh, they record all the fighters saying their names and then the commentators listen to that. But the commentators can, just because they do that doesn't mean the commentators can pick it up properly. Like they're calling Dia Casey, they're calling him Jacasey or something like that. Just because it's of actually, how he said it's it. actually Jacasey is yeah, how it's meant to be said. Uh, it's so weird though. I don't yeah. know. It's just weird. Like I don't know. But anyway, like I think he's good, and I think he's good for like the secondary commentator. I like I like John Link. I think he's a good guy. I think he's good. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, he's good. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's everyone's gonna have something they're, like they're that. Their little things, like yeah, you know, uh, probably came across wrong there. Like their little things that are just. So, so irritants, but like he, he's definitely better than Goldberg in my opinion, and, and it, it's a tough job. Like you are talking for like 
fucking six hours straight or something. The way the way it came across, I think, from Dana was that it wouldn't be him; it'd be someone new. Any ideas who it's going to be? <sighs> if it happens, it could be something to do with the TV deal. It could be somebody like when's that TV deal up again? There's been a lot of talk yeah, about that. I think, I think it's like eighteen months away or something. Oh, isn't it? yeah. So Goldberg will probably be leaving quicker than that. You reckon? Uh, maybe. Uh... I don't know, it's tough to know. Like, I think, for me, the best, and I think you'll probably disagree, but Mauro Nalo, I think, is the best. I know he's with WWE at the moment, but... No, I like Mauro. Yeah, I like Mauro. He's a bit over the top at times, but... He is. And that's... I, don't, like, I, I think you need to... If the fight's bad, you need to you need to say the fight's bad. Yeah. The, was, I can't remember this weekend, there was a couple oh, of fights yeah. that were bad, and they were pretending like they were, they were really good, and it was like, this is terrible. Like, this is not good. I th- was it was it Lewis against uh, no? I think it was Rogan. Which 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 fight on two hundred six was it? Mm. Oh, Vivian Pereira against Valerie Turner. Like I'm not sure. Have you any ideas who else could be Michael Chiavello? I doubt it'll be him. I don't think people yeah, like him. He's he's a bit over the top as well with the yeah. the good night Irene and all that stuff. Um, here's here's one on the left field. What about Max Kellerman? Because I think Dana White said. Max Kellerman, who's that? Yeah, do you know the boxing guy who does like the play? Oh, the kind of youngish guy, is he? Yeah, yeah. Does he know anything about it? About the sport, though. But I, he knows a bit about it. He talks about it. He's on like that first take. I think it's called. You know, like the. Oh yeah, yes, thing. Yeah. Sitting around thing. Yeah, I think he's on that. Um, I'm, that might be the name of it, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think he'd be he'd be alright at it, but he's a boxer and he's kind of really into that, so possibly yeah. not. But what about um John Gooden? He seems to be well liked by by fans when he commentates and yeah, yeah, he's really good. But Dana said, I think like, I couldn't see the. I clicked into where the interview was, and it was a different interview to show. But the words the, in the article, I think it was Sportsnet, that said that it's someone who he's loved for years and who, who he'd wanted to put on the UFC broadcast for years. So that I'm obviously that a rule. Jake Lazer, is it or something, something like that? Mm. Hopefully not. But. I don't know. It sounds like someone who's already done it. Like it could be, it could be a play by play guy from you know the NFL or something. You know, like Goldberg is not an MMA guy. You know? That's not the role. You don't need someone who's done. MMA or something before but you know you need I know just a kind of a, a professional at that job so interesting times mm. ahead see what he's Sean like. Wheelock yeah, yeah where's he these days yeah, he was good I think he's worse than working for the um, Glory what are the Celtics or something Boston oh. Celtics is that what they're called no what are they called what's the rub uh, who do Michael Jordan do for Red, <sighs> Chicago Glory. Bears no Chicago fucking Col- what are they called Bulls. no Bulls Chicago Bulls, Bulls. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think he's working for it. The- no, he's not. Uh, Boston Celtics. He's <laughs> he took Ariel to a game, didn't he? Do you remember that recently? No. Yeah, I don't think he's that good. He's actually no, he's actually good. It's the other guy who's crap, the Sean Grandy or something. Yeah, he's, he's, he's awful. fucking terrible. Like, all right, let's get into let's get into Bellator before we we talk about that before <laughs> we we talk about yeah. the Sacramento car. I just want to say what's wrong with Bellator just before we start. <laughs> he's terrible, Ryan. The the uh, the announcer is terrible, um, Michael something, awful like the worst announcer in combat sports, just terrible. But I think other stuff like that they've changed is really good. I think their like their production is actually good. I like the way they have stats. Like I like I like the the way they have um, like big walkout areas as well. Or, or yeah, the big screens and I like Jimmy's pride. keys to victory as well. 
I like Jimmy's keys to victory because I don't think they get into analysis enough. And I know they're only small things and sometimes they're off point, you know, but it, yeah. for a, the casual fight fan, I think that's great to, for them to know what to look for. Like it's, UFC kind of go at it in a very kind of um, personal, like this is his story kind of way. And I, I think they, they could do with a little bit more analysis. I think Bellator do that actually pretty well. Really, I really like Jimmy Smith, but the, the only thing I'd say is he, he, he keeps uh, over overstating people's fighters' ability. Like he says, every fighter that he's rolled with is like rolling with a fire hydrant. Like that can't be true. Like it just can't be true. <laughs> yeah. Like please stop saying that. You're taking, like when you do say it, it has no credibility now because you say it every week. Like, that'd be a good line if you whipped it out every now and again. Like, but now it's, it's like, just like it's every like... fighter is like rolling with a fire hydrant. Really? It's like Niall McGrath in every fight in every card it's a barn burner you know same thing yeah exactly yeah. I like I like him though I actually think he apart from Rogan I think no I think he's really more, good yeah. I, I really really like him I think he's great but yeah um, as we said Bellator are coming to the Tree Arena Bellator. this week with Bama um, for a pretty pretty good card you're going to be there um, who else is going to be there from Severe Niall Pizzi uh, Io, Io, is Io? Yeah, very Jones. good. Io's debut at a big show for first room uh, doing the interviews. He's up Belfast. Oh, was he? What are you trying to say? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that was it. That was a terrible show, on fairness. So, but Andrew McGann. <laughs> I like that. Uh, whoever come up, but that was an, uh, an intelligent man. But um, yeah, some, somebody <laughs> on a uh, YouTube commented like one of the first interviews he did being Andrew McGann. I was like, that is perfect. Yeah. Okay. Let Let's look at the card. Um. I suppose maybe we should do the Bama because the Bama is like the prelims, and then work into Bellator. Yeah. Let's do that. I suppose the big one on, on that card is it the main event of that card? Tom Dukumah against uh. Yeah, that's the main against, event of the Bama board. against Alan Philbot. Gotta love that fight. You know, I think like I I said it. Alan or um Tom Dukumah has been part of Team Sheehan now for for a good while. Probably the the best fighter outside of the UFC. At the moment, well, best possible. You'll obviously be going up to support one of your team members live in person, yeah? <laughs> no, I'm too busy. Too busy. <laughs> uh, get someone apart from Satoshi Ishii in the main event and I'll come. Um, but uh, yeah, that, I think it's a good fight. Obviously, Dukuma, we, you know, for, for Philpot, it's going to be the toughest fight he can get outside of the UFC in that division anyway, 100%. Um, Dukuma is holding two belts. Philpot has the Lonsdale belt as well, you know. Big, big fight, probably the biggest fight Bama can put on. You know, I think that it's going to be a tremendous fight. Obviously, you'd have to favor Dukumwa. You know, he's just shown a great pedigree. Um, he's over getting his, better and better. He's yeah, fight as well. Just looks terrific. Has been training over in Jackson's as well. We like you couldn't rule Philpot out. Philpot is a good. He's really experienced. Now he's still young, but he's really experienced. And you know, you, you couldn't yeah. rule him out, but you'd have to. You'd have to make uh, Dukumwa a big favor. Philpott talking about coming at him early strong and I think that that is the way to go I think yeah, uh, agree, yeah. if you're going to catch him you're going to catch him early uh, if the more the fight goes on the more he's going to figure out he's going to f- figure you out and he's going to pick you apart I think so I think he does have the right game plan and he's talk. He's talking a good game Alan like he seems like in a good place mentally and I think the 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 move over to train in um, Liverpool has uh, he said like it kind of takes away the distractions of of being home in Balamina and friends and just kind of like you know going out drinking or whatever like stuff like that like just distractions <clears throat> so i think he he's definitely made the right decision this is the biggest fight of his life so far so he's 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 gone all out he's done all the right things he seems to have the right game plan but 
as you say, Tom Dukenois, he's the number one prospect outside of the UFC and many, many people's minds for a reason. He, he, if he wanted to be in the UFC already, he'd be there. He's like he's turned down contracts. He told Niall, um, Niall McGrath, talking brawls this week that uh, this is the last fight in his deal. They'll be talking to Bellator, UFC, and a Russian promotion. So he's gonna. He, he knows. He, he understands the business. He knows that uh, you don't just take the first. Well. When you're when you're in his position, you don't just take the first offer that comes along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trash out your worth. Yeah, yeah. Definitely looking forward. It should be a good fight. Um, come in, but it is risky, you know. If you lose, then do you see you're like, well, you lost. Mm-hmm. See you again, a few fights. And that's big for Philpot as well because if he wins, he's taking some scalp there, and he, yeah. like I'd say, he's almost sure of getting a you know Bellator Bellator standing there watching him as he does it. Like you know, yeah. <clears throat> we've always said. On this podcast, I think Bellator would be a good fit for Philpot, and I think he's someone who's spoken about maybe going to Bellator. So, or like, if he beats Sukumar, do you see? If he beats Sukumar, he should wait and feel both offers, and <laughs> he shouldn't just yeah. jump at the first one. I'd say to be a good bit of interest. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, that should be fun. Coming in, Chris Fields against uh, Clamp, fighting for the the light heavyweight title, I believe. After yeah, the, uh, light, light heavyweight the bear, the bear Jew got signed by the UFC. Has the bear Jew fought for the UFC yet? He hasn't, does he? He's no, like a no. Brazil card or something, isn't he? Yeah, that should be fun. But it's Andy Clamp, isn't it? What do you know about him? How how good is he? He's just fighting Chris yeah. Fields. It's hard to know. Uh, it's hard to know. Like uh, he's got a, he's got a very good record. I think it's eight eight one and one no contest. And he's I think he's finished. I think he's finished all of his opponents. Uh, let me double check that. Yeah. Uh, one sec. Um, oh no, he has a he has one decision, and the rest of them are are five TKO or five KOs or TKOs and three submissions. So yeah, he has a, an armbar loss to a Klinger in in December or this time last year. So maybe that's the that's the way to go for Chris. Chris is good on the ground. Um. It's hard to know any clamp though. He hasn't really fought any of the any of the known quantities in his division in the, on the local scene. You know, he's like he, he had a he had a no contest in his last one. Before that, he fought a guy called uh, Wilfred Emmett, who's a French six and two. Mm-hmm. But you know, you can only beat what's in front of you. Like you can only he's putting them away as well. So Chris. Um, Obviously, a former Cage Warriors uh, middleweight champion. He's moved up to, to light heavyweight over in the last year, roughly. Yeah. He it? hasn't fought there yet. He was supposed to fight someone he to pull out, and then he was supposed to fight the Bear Jew, and that fell off. Oh, he fought, no, sorry, he fought a, uh, the Ultimate Fighter at light heavyweight, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah. yeah. yeah beat yeah, the guy, yeah. was it Sanchez, who won last night, didn't he? Or am I gone mad? No, he beat, um, you mean Josh Stanbury. That was it, yeah. Um, who fought last week. Yeah. Yeah. Who fought, uh, yeah, he opened up the card there last week. But uh, I think the light heavyweight division is one as well where, you you know, Chris Fields, okay, he's, uh, you know, he's shoving on now a little bit. You know, I think he talked in the severe sessions before about, you know, he doesn't know how many fights he's left and stuff. But <clears throat> I think light heavyweight division is get a couple of good wins and you could be signed to the UFC because the division is so light, you know, and I think for a lot of big mid- middleweights, light heavyweight is probably a better option, you know, if you want to get there. So a big win, you know, the Bear Jew got signed. It's obviously, <clears throat> it's obvious that they're looking at Bama, they're looking at this division and he, he you know, he could be the next one if, if he comes out with a good win here and maybe gets another one in, uh, in the new year. Yeah, the last, or uh, actually fought, Chris fought on him. Um... On the last, uh, the last Bama Ireland card, I think it was twenty Bama twenty four. He got a nice Bravo choke. 
Oh um, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Which, was, was that was that not a light heavyweight? Was it? I think it could have been. Yeah, I'm not I sure. Think actually. Was, yeah, yeah. He, he's fought he's fought most of his career at middleweight, but he's 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 gone. I think he's gone permanently now to light heavyweight. I think it's a good call. As you say, there's, there's no de- there's lack of depth to them divisions, and uh, it's a, uh, it's an easier route to the UFC. Yeah, right. Let's move on. Um, Reese McKee and Dylan Took as well. I suppose are next to two big names on this card. Probably the two yeah. best best prospects. Dylan, Dylan Took is, is he has a uh, late replacement in Cameron Else. Yeah. Cameron Else uh, is uh, the, the only loss on Paddy Pimblett's record. He choked uh, Paddy Pimblett out unconscious. I think it was Cage Warriors fifty, was it? A mushroom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's a that's a tough fight, you know. Um, Cameron else is definitely no pushover. The UK boys are very, uh, very high on Cameron else, so that's another good test, you know. He fought Adam Mintra as well, didn't you? Could he? He's, but that was his last fight, wasn't it? Or did he have one yeah. since? Yeah, no, that was you know, came through that, but he Adam Mintra gave him hell in the first round before getting choked out. But you know, it's a big fight for him. Um, Reese McKee yeah. as well. Reese McKee you know. against Joy Herbert. Joy Herbert. Are they both four now? It's for the the Lonsdale. Uh, yeah, Reese. Reese is. Um, he was. He's around the amateur scene for years, and he was kind of. He was kind of like win one, lose one for a while when he was younger. But then he just kind of grew into his body and became. And just he was. He, he used to be really skinny, but then he just became kind of long, and he he kind of learned how to use his frame, and then. Um, I think when we really when we really realised Reese was was very good was a, a battle zone one night tournament with uh, Alex O'Sullivan, Lou Bishante, Ondrum Gool, and Reese McKee, and he won the both fights on the night and uh, really well against. They were some of the top amateurs in like in the in the country. Um, your boy Lou Bishante, you know. Um, yeah, is he, is he back yet? Come on. No, I don't know. What, I don't know what happened to him. To be honest, I haven't seen him. I haven't heard from him in a while. Someone tweet yeah. me and tell me. So surely yeah. someone listened to this, this podcast who knows. Yeah, and then Reese obviously against Johnny Jitsu uh, in his uh, pro debut. That was a very good win. Like, um, yeah. And beat Tommy McCafferty as well. He was last, fo- last fight, didn't he? Yeah, he beat Tommy McCafferty slightly controversially, but you know, it wasn't. He was going that way. Anyway, he was landing. Yeah, 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 it was going that way. And, uh, you know, oh, oh, when the ref stops it and then the guy straight away hops up and is like, what? You know, it's going to be controversy, but. But these things happen in MMA, you know. You, <laughs> if you if you stay in one position, he, he dots, like the ref is within his rights to to stop the fight. Yeah, um, you've Ian Cleary, Keith McCabe, Will Flory as well on the car. But I think probably the, probably the biggest person we should be. Yeah, Sinead. That Sinead uh, is the one I was going to mention. <clears throat> She's probably the one we should be looking at most in this card. I think. Uh, I think Ada Daly did a great interview with her in SPG. Yeah. She's like she said that Conor McGregor told her she's going to be the next star in the UFC. She's going to take it over like he did, and you know you could you can tell that her confidence has grown and that she's kind of getting more into it. She came over yeah. from boxing, and she, she yeah was, she was she was a boxer. Yeah. Uh, she she had no ground game when she first came to the MMA, and she's been working on that and just rounding out her skills. And she's managed to say undefeated while while she's done that. So. Yeah, she said she was uh, uh, sparring as well with Kelly Harrington, who's the next big thing in, in female Irish boxing. She, you know, she, she I think she won a, a silver medal last year in the World Championships, or she she definitely did well in the World Championships anyway last year. And uh, to be sparring with her, you know, you don't get better than that anywhere in the world, you know. So obviously, um, 
she, you know, she's been very impressive. Making the weight has been a little bit of a problem for her. I think she's fighting here at 145 again, is she? But if, if the UFC open up that 145 division, which we'll, we'll talk about maybe in a second, you know, they've been talking about giving Cyborg uh, the belt with Dana White. I think we spoke about it last week. Um, Sinead Kavanagh could be one of the first names in there. You know, I think, what is she, 3 or 4 no now if she gets... 3 and 0 now, yeah. yeah 4 no going in there, you know. And she had a very controversial uh, decision loss to um, Anna Elmos, who actually mm-hmm. just retired uh, after after losing a couple in the UFC. Uh, it, was a fight, it was a fight that Sinead definitely won. Um, and Sinead talks about in the interview how she, she's, it makes her feel sick <laughs> thinking about that fight. She's a big puncher as well. You know, I could see her fighting Cyborg in a couple of years. And I think that, that'd be a good fight. I'd like to see that fight, you know. Big, 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 heavy puncher and one-shot knockout power. You know, she. I think she is a genuine 145-er yeah. as well. So, she she didn't miss weight by 0.8 of a pound the last time. But uh, she, yeah. she was, when we were down interviewing, she, interviewing her, she was saying that uh, her weight was much better this time and that she doesn't foresee any, any problems. So if you make weight, you get the finish. <clears throat> Four now, maybe one more. Make weight, get the finish, or get the impressive win. And like the the UFC, it, it mightn't even need that one more. You know, the UFC, the divisions down there aren't exactly packed full of talent. Yeah, exactly. Right, let's uh, get to the Bama part or the Bellator portion of the card. Uh, we've two Irish men on that side as well, with James Gallagher fighting Anthony Taylor and Westford's own Brian Morris coming in against uh, Daniel Weichel. Two big fights for both guys. Let's talk about Brian Moore first. I think Brian Moore, he's an underrated guy, kind of guy flying under the radar getting in there. You know, a red was obviously Paul Redman was supposed to fight Daniel Weichel in this card. <clears throat> but Brian Moore gets the shot now. I was talking to him during the week. He told me he's ready. You know, he's going to come in here and he's going he's gonna to shock the world. And, you know, it, it's a huge fight because Daniel Weichel is a name, you know, they're... There aren't that many, you know, names in... Oh, okay, there are plenty of names in Belter, but there aren't many, you know, lots of people around the world that know Daniel Weichel is kind of one that I think he's fought for a title and all. If Brian Moore could go in and take him out, that that's a huge win. Um, as I said, under the radar, Weichel is not going to know much about him. You know, I think Dan Brian Moore is, is even under the radar I, for a lot of people in Irish. I think the, way, way, you know? the reason he's under the radar is because he, um, he, t- he took a year and a half out... Uh, yeah. Kind of at, at at the exact time that the the UC and MMA and Connor was exploding in Ireland, he had a kid. He opened up his own gym down in Westford, and you know he was busy. Since then, he came back. He's beaten Tommy McCafferty. He's beaten Mick Brennan. One one by submission. One one by TKO. Like he's, I think he realizes that. Like you know, before there was it was um, the path to the UC was closed. <laughs> like it didn't seem realistic. Like you know, before Connor got in or before. Everybody else started getting in, but then these guys, these guys, and have a new kind of fire in them. Because like, if you're fighting on the local scene for like you know three hundred euro in the main event of a big show, and and it's it's tough to it's tough to keep that fire. I think like it's tough to even even eat and train and like even even two three or four years ago, Conor Conor McGregor didn't couldn't afford headgear, couldn't afford. Couldn't afford uh, protein shakes. He'd be he'd be scabbing protein shakes off members in the gym. You know, it's it, it was tough for all these lads. Like and Brian Moore was one of them lads in the old gym, fighting for for peanuts. Yeah, fighting really good guys like Andy Young, Gary Myers, Connor Dillon, like Mike Wilkinson, Dave Hill. Like these guys, these guys aren't easy. Yeah. But um, yeah, I am. Um, 
he's flying under the radar, but I, I, I wouldn't rule him out of this fight at all. Yeah, definitely. Like, if you're looking at just watch his record, like he fought some good guys, Manuel Sanchez, Georgie Carcanyan, beating them, beating Pat Curran, you know, some good, yeah. some good wins under his under his belt. Obviously, he lost out to um to one of the people brothers for for the lightweight uh, for the lightweight <laughs> championship in uh, 2015. But yeah, no, tricky. It's gonna it's gonna be a tough fight, but um, yeah. I think he it's, has wins it's over Denty Green, Pat Curran, people like that. Like he, he's yeah. definitely really really good fighter. He's got a lot of mileage on the clock, though. He's had like 40, 45, 50 fights already. Yeah. Um, Look, looking forward to that one. Definitely looking forward to that one. But um, you know, Brian Moore, I think one of the nicest guys in Irish ever made. Be you know, it'd be great to see him, him getting the win. Hopefully, he can do it. You know, not to be not to be taking anyone's side, but I hope he wins. <laughs> <laughs> um, James Gallard in as well. Obviously, you know, probably the biggest prospect out of Ireland at the moment. Uh, second Bellator fight didn't look great in his first one. You know what? Fought kind of it was Mike Cutting, wasn't it? You know, who yeah. didn't help maybe a little bit. Mike, um, uh, Mike Cutting kind of circled away, and, and James maybe should have cut the cage off a bit more rather than following, but he. You know, he's, he's grappling is his, is his main main base, and he's, he's young in his career. He'll, he'll definitely add these these wrinkles to his game. I'd say. Um, yeah, I think he was a bit nervous as well. I think in 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 his in his first fight in Bellator, James, he kind of even when the fight was over, he was he was emotional about it. Like it seemed like a a relief to to finally get the the kind of the big win under or the the big show win under his belt. So maybe that played into his into, into his performance a bit. But he did win. He did win the fight. Easily twenty did, or yeah. twenty seven thirty. So, yeah, um, and is a place as well where they will build guys up. You know, I think yeah, I think Coker even said he was he was he making no secret about it. He's like, we're going to build James up. We see him as one of the futures of the of the company. So, yeah, and I think that that's a good thing. You know, MMA MMA is great because it doesn't do it as much as boxing does it. But you still need to do it a bit. I think you know. I think they've gone too far with MVP. They've done a lot for him, but. If if MVP had fought someone good maybe this year earlier this year I think you know them building up would have been very good and very wise and I think James Gallagher obviously needs that as well you know he's he's young still with what three or four fights and then you know maybe f- four five six more fights and then he's going to be you know going in if he wins all those getting towards the title and and you know becoming one of the one of the Michael Chandlers or the big guys in the company if he can keep winning and I think you know obviously you said they're still putting everything together definitely 100% I think his ground game is very very good yeah. uh, and if he can add in you know his striking looks good at times but if he can add in um, if he can, if that can improve and if he can you know yeah. if he can if he James has been around for so long that I think people forget how young the, the guy is like he's yeah. literally like 19, just turned 19 He's so young. He's been around since he was like twelve, thirteen. That everybody kind of, I think everybody kind of forgets how how much room for improvement he has and how young he is. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Right. Um, the main event then is Muhammad Lawal King Mo yeah. against Satoshi Ishii. <sighs> yeah, I don't I know why don't this care. is on an Irish card. To yeah. be honest, I don't know why. Why is this? Why is this happening? I've I've no idea. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, right. Let's uh, move on. Just before um, we move on, real quick, I just want to mention right? uh, Keith McCabe is is uh, fighting Richard Kelly on the Bam undercard yeah. or Richard Kiley. Sorry, they're meant to fight a kickboxing um, bout there six months ago, maybe. Uh, Blaine O'Driscoll versus Neil Ward should be a good one. They're they're both young pros. Uh, Neil Ward at a Rush Fight Academy. Blaine O'Driscoll obviously out of SPG, and then uh, Richie Smullen, who's a a very good grappler. He's got some serious um, leg locks and uh, uh, very good jiu-jitsu. He's fighting 
uh, Connor Dundee Dillon. Uh, he's been around. Connor has been around for years. He, he's fought McGregor. He's, he's fought everybody. Um, and then Kiefer Cosby and Connor Reardon as well. Uh, there's loads of Irish on the card. There's literally like literally half the card is Irish. So anybody looking to get down and see the future of Irish MMA Friday night, Bama Bama twenty seven, Bellator one sixty nine in Dublin. Ask Graham for a picture as well. He'll give you one. No problem. <laughs> Please right. don't. <laughs> right, let's get to the UFC card this weekend. Uh, speaking of Paul Craig, actually the Bear Jew, he's fighting. He's fighting this weekend. He's fighting Luis Enrique da Silva in the main event of the the um, Fox War One broadcast, which which should be fun. They're obviously giving uh, the Bear Jew a bit of a push there. So that should be fun. Yeah, that should, that should be good. Uh, that undercard is not bad, actually. We have uh, in the fight pass. We have Eddie Wynan against TK Mizugaki. I like that fight. Uh, then you have Leslie Smith against Irina Aldana, I believe is how you pronounce it, coming over from Invicta. Was one of the most impressive women to ever fight in Invicta. A very, very good fighter. Um, Barbarina as well. Barbarina against Colby Covington. Let's hope Barbarina can beat the absolute shit out of Colby Covington, one of yeah, the worst guys in the UFC. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they go with Irish people who want to go. I think uh, Irish yeah. people don't forget that. Sean, don't forget Shani that quick. Nah, Johnny won't be forgetting. But yeah, uh, I think that I think that's a good fight, though, all, all jokes aside. I think Covington. He's a good wrestler and stuff, but Barbarino, you know, we saw him going in there, we saw him taking out Sage and Arcot. And he's relentless with his wrestling Covington. That's, I, think it's some, like, I don't know if his wrestling is actually that high level. Like, it definitely is high level, but it's, don't know. But I think the, the relentlessness of the, the takedown attempts is, is what makes it so hard to fight him. Yeah, yeah, so that should be a good fight. Uh, Cole Miller. Uh, uh, yeah, Cole Miller against Hirota, yeah. Cole Miller has been very vocal in his... Uh, the way he's been treated by the UFC, I wouldn't. I don't think it, it helps his chances too much. You know, he said he's, he's only showing up to training because he has to and stuff like that. You know, it's gonna gonna be tough. I, I, although I think Hirota is probably a good matchup for him. Um, I haven't said that. Uh, Alan Jubandin is fighting Mike Perry. Mike Perry, another one of these kind of American. <laughs> Mike Perry's a funny lad, isn't he? He's uh, yeah, not the nicest guy in the world leader. And Juban no. Juban is the best looking man in the UFC, so that should be a fun fight. Um, and then we get to <laughs> the Sage. What about Sage? We get we get to the big stream of then after that, yeah. Um, well, we'll talk about Sage versus Mickey Gall first. This is a fight. It's a pretty good looking comment event, though, as well. It, it is. If we're talking about good looking, it, it is. <laughs> it's hard to know how this fight is going to go because, like, all we uh, I was writing my article there, for the, my preview for this, and all we ha- all we have to show for for Mickey Gall so far in the UFC is a win over a journalist, a pro wrestler, and an unreal walkout song. But like, <laughs> what what else do we know about him? Like, not yeah. not really much. He's gone um, through them very very quickly, though. In fairness, yeah, yeah but fuck's sake, it's like you know, if you oh, know, you, know, know. through you quickly as well. Like, I know, but it, like, he can only beat what's in front of him when he's beaten them very. Uh, yeah, very but Jesus, what's in front of him is pure dog shit. Like, going in fairness, but mm. his toughest fight was so far was probably his pro debut at uh, looking for a fight. Yeah, he needed to win in that as well. Like it looks like Mickey Gall is a good grung. I mean, you know, we spoke about before he's he's grappled. I think I think it's Gordon Ryan. I was forget who it was. Ground belt, is um, it? Yeah, he, like he's yeah. he's obviously very good in the ground. And Sage Narcot struggles on the ground. Mickey Gall looks a good uh, good athlete as well. Obviously, Sage Narcot is a fantastic athlete. But if he if Mickey Gall gets him to the ground, I think he he'll probably end up. Uh, choking Sage out but it's it's difficult mm. to know how good Gal is on the feet and if he can close the, dis- <coughs> close the distance quick enough to take Sage down because Sage is a guy who will just like use his athleticism to cut away if, and uh, and maybe um, I'd say Sage would have to have been working on his, his ground game since um, since he made his UC debut but uh, I think 
it's really, as you say, it's really hard to know due to the, the competition levels. Like, you know, Sage has had bad competition, but a lot better competition than Mickey Gall. So yeah. there's a lot of unknowns with these two. We're gonna f- see. It might even be hard to find out about both of them in this fight because it's hard to know what the other one is as well. Yeah. Like the more I think about it, the more I think Sage is gonna win. But I don't know. I think I, I, I honestly, I've thought about it a while. I think Mickey Mickey Gall is a good prospect. So you'd never know. Um, but he's very young in his career. Like he, I know Sage is as well. But Sage has a, what? He has a good few fights behind him now in comparison. Yeah. Like it's like you know, Gal has what three fights and, and Sage has what ten, nine, yeah, nine or ten. Yeah, yeah. should be fun. So that, that, that might play in the, the experience levels. Yeah. We've never seen Mickey Gal go deep. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he has cardio problems. Maybe he doesn't. There's just so many variables and questions around around this fight that it's 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 really hard one. Yeah, definitely. Right, um, Uriah Faber fighting Brad Pick as well. It's going to be Uriah Faber's um, retirement fight. We're going to talk a lot about Uriah Faber. Back, We're going to talk about him next week, I think, and, and look back at his career and stuff. But um, mm. how do you see this fight going? Do you think, um, like, personally, I see Faber being able to win this one pretty easily. He'll just take Brad Pick. Yeah, I, see, I think, yeah, if, if Faber sticks to the right game plan, I think it being his last fight, if it is going to be his last fight, he might try and try and make it a bit of a. Faber's not really that kind of. I think guy, I think he'd win it either way. To be honest, I find it very hard to see Brad Brad Pickett mm. opinion. Like Brad Pickett's nickname is One Punch, but has he, I can only remember him having a big One Punch KO once. He's one knockout win in fifteen WEC and UFC fights. Useless fact of yeah. the day there for you. <laughs> yeah, I see Faber winning this, but both guys are well over the hill at this stage. Like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're they're both um, they're both on definitely on the the last the last stretch of their career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, as I said, we'll we'll talk about more about Uriah Faber next week when we have a little bit a uh, little bit more time to do it. Um, but uh, Michelle Watterson against Paige Van Zandt is the main event of, the, of this card. I like that fight. I think it's a good fight. Um, yeah. Paige is obviously um, uh, kind of her, her striking has improved the last over the last couple of years, and we saw her last fight where she came out and. She was kind of pot-shotting more than doing anything. Um, but I think what she's best at is grinding, wrestling, shoving you up against defense, making it a dogfight, you know, taking you down, uh, ground and pound and all that. Whereas Michelle Watterson, you know, her nickname is the Karate Hattie. And I think that's all you need to know, really. Very, very good kicker, good striker, you know, improved takedown defense, working out a team, uh, Team Jackson Winklejohn in Albuquerque with... You know, with all the some of the best fighters in the world, she's going to be very well schooled as well. I think he, I think a big X factor here is the size difference. Like Michelle Watterson is a hundred and five pounder really, and she's only in the UFC in one fifteen because they don't have the one hundred five division. She was the Invicta champion at one hundred five, um, and I think size is going to be a big thing if Paige Van Zandt can close the distance and push her up against the fence. I think it's going to be very hard for Michelle Watterson to to overcome that just due to the size alone. Yeah, Paige. I, did, I thought Paige was, wasn't looking great at all in her last fight and, yeah. until she got the finish. But I think Michelle Watterson's small. She's like a she's really a one o five really, yeah. um, and that's going to play into it. And, and Paige does set a good tempo. Um, she has a lot of output. Yeah, no, I'd have to I'd have to lean Paige, but. Um, yeah, I'm not too excited about that matchup. I, I like it. I've, I watched a bit of tape there on Michelle Watson. Like she's, she's Faber versus Pickett. That might not be the main event, really. 
two old lads fighting. Let let the women have their day. Don't be your sexist pig is all you are. I don't think it's to do with that. Like it's nothing to do with that. Sexism. That's what it is. You need to fucking. <laughs> you need to change your your stupid old views. Change yeah. my crazy lowdown ways. I think just the fact that it's in Sacramento, that Uriah Faber's home, you know, his gym is there. I'm amazed he didn't, and his retirement fight as well, I'm amazed they didn't make him the main event, to be honest. But yeah, I think they're looking forward, looking towards the future, and Paige Van Zandt is obviously the name they've been pushing. And this is kind of a win-win for the UFC, because I think Michelle Watterson is someone you could definitely push as well. You know, a good-looking girl, you know, smart, intelligent, good fighter, you know, that's exactly what you want, you know, and, and um, I like the fight. I think I think it's good, but um, yeah, no, it is. It's, it's, it's a good fight. It's just as a main event. I know uh, it's probably the, the reason is the Dancing with the Stars and mm-hmm. kind of crossover. So yeah, it, it probably makes sense to uh, the casuals yeah. uh, for it to be the main event. But uh, it'd be nice to see Faber in the main event for his, his last fight. That is true. That is true. Right. Let's get to the questions. Before we do that, let us give a shout out to uh, rosnutrition.com, our sponsors. Head on over to rosnutrition.com. You can get 25% off your first order with the promo code Severe in May. As I said at the start, they have all the best supplements, uh, vitamins, all good things like that. You know better than me, lads. Head on over to rosnutrition.com. Um, you know, pick up pick up a present for Christmas you still have enough time it's what 12 days to Christmas they'll get it delivered they'll get it to you before Christmas pick up something for your brother or your your dad or your mother or your sister 25% off use the promo code severe MMA boom help us help you brilliant Graham any words on ROS nutrition while I pull up the pull up the uh, questions here yeah, I still haven't done my uh, any of my Christmas shopping so there might be a, a last minute order going in Do we, uh, use the promo code severe <laughs> Yeah, okay, a uh, question from Morgan at IACH underscore. Is there any controversial strike you'd like to see brought back into MMA like soccer kicks or knees to the head of a down opponent? Yeah, knees to the head of a down opponent should be in there, I think. Um, I don't know why they're not. Uh, people think they're over violent, but I think um, you become desensitized to them very quickly. Like, I think if, if elbows were brought in all of a sudden or standing knees were brought in all of a sudden, people would, would take a while to get used to them, but would. would in a very short amount of time, just become normal, become normalized. Uh, what are the strikes? Um, uh, 12 to 6 elbows. Uh, yeah. It's just ludicrous that they're not, they're not in. Um, um, I think oblique kicks. I like oblique kicks. I think they should be. I know, I know, I know they're allowed, but people have complained about them. I wouldn't like to see them taken out. It's a legit technique. Yeah. Um, and then that's what I'm missing. I don't want headbutts. Uh, Soccer kicks on the ground, yeah. Hmm, I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you need a very high standard of refing in order to to do it safely, mm-hmm. and I don't think outside of the top two or three refs that there's enough to go around. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel comfortable with a uh, certain referees in there with with, with soccer kicks allowed. Yeah, hundred percent right. We have a couple of questions here from uh, Mister Podge at one Mister Podge friend of the podcast. He, he quoted um, Bjorn Rebney's tweet here to Dana White, Mexico, um, <laughs> and he basically he basically just asked about the way Bjorn has gone at Dana White in, in the last week. Obviously, we spoke a lot about this this last week, but mm. I this think is, you know. Go on. Watch this it. is a long-standing like back and forth for for mm-hmm. years. It's nothing new. It's kind of come into the the, the focus now because Bjorn's come out of out of hiding, but. Um, 
yeah, he's been calling him Bjork for, for, for since I can remember and <laughs> taking shots at him constantly. And Bjorn hasn't been uh, hasn't been laying down. You know, he uh, he he tried to take Eddie Alvarez or he took Eddie Alvarez to court or something. Dana taking him like there's no love lost whatsoever between these two these two uh, men. And mm-hmm. yeah, and it's just it's just uh, another day at the office for the both of them. <laughs> Yeah, look, I think Bjorn has gone about this all the wrong way, and I think... Well, this is the way Bjorn was always going to go about this, though, wasn't it? It it was, but I think it's just a disaster, to be honest, so far. Um, Like, Mr. Bodger asked as well about Cerrone backtracking on it, and he just completely backtracked. He's like, no, no, I'm still in there, but um, I'm not really. (laughs) Yeah, like, I I was walking about it last week. (laughs) Yeah, I'm talking about myself, and Nile were kind of talking about it. (laughs) Like... How can you organize 500 fighters when you can't even get five guys organized on a fucking conference call? Like, you know, Cerrone didn't even know Bjorn was going to be there. So Cerrone said, oh, GSP and, and uh, Tim Kennedy rang me up to come. And I was like, yeah, he didn't even know he was on the on the board for these meetings and stuff. Why didn't he pipe up, though, when they were taking photos beforehand with Noir and the T-shirts and all? I find it a bit strange, that, that Cerrone story, to be honest. Yeah. Really to add on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit weird, all right. But um, yeah, let's move on. Um. Mr. Patrick, Dana, admitted, Dana White admitted after Hughes and Chuck were fired that he's less power now. Do you think that's a good or a bad thing for MMA? It's really hard to know because we don't know who, we don't know much about the, the guys who were running running in in place of the Fatitas and the team that they had. It's been very quiet. Yeah. Okay. What do you think? Um, oh, um, what, what was it again? What were you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just reading through the questions here. I don't know. Um, Dana White having more or less or less power oh, yeah. than he. Um, is it a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, I suppose time will tell. I, I would say it's actually probably a bad thing. Like I think we criticise Dana an awful lot, and people do. <sighs> but I. He makes it easy. He, he makes it easy. But but he's, uh, he he's done so much. Yeah. He does more good things than bad things. I think, to be honest. Um, but yeah. yeah. Right. Um, yeah, he does make it easy though a lot of times to yes. for people to be like, "What the hell?" Like when he goes on Twitter rants and calls people goofs and stuff. It's just, yeah, I think it's hilarious. But a lot of people just, why is this guy doing this? Like you know, when when non MMA journalists come into MMA, Ryan Connor, they, they're fascinated by Dana and his, his antics. They're like, "This guy is just mad." Yeah. Ta- uh, what are your thoughts on Jack McGann? Do you think he's a uh, potential to make it big? Make it big. Um... What does that even mean? Um, can he get to the UFC? Yeah, I think yeah, I think he can get to the UFC. Um, I think he's lost. Did he lose to Jacasey? Mm. He lost to Jacasey, I think, and uh, somebody else who's really good. I think his only losses are to, to top competition. Um, yeah, I, I think I think he can make it to the UFC. I don't see him winning a belt or anything in the UFC, but it depends what kind of what he means by the question, really. Yeah, right. A couple of questions here at Era Two Four Seven. Does Aldo have a better chance of beating? Or sorry, does Holloway have a better chance of beating Aldo or McGregor? Um, for me, I think he probably has. Hmm, I think he's a better chance of beating Aldo. To be honest, um, I know yeah. McGregor didn't knock him out the last time, but I think McGregor has progressed an awful lot. Right, one or two more questions here before we go. Um, on a scale of one to ten, from Andy Cohn at Andy Cohn one, how good was it to see proud Mexican uh, Kelvin Gastelum TKO a Trump supporter and Kim Kennedy? Um, that, I, I didn't even. That has nothing to do with it for my in for me. <laughs> well, not, I don't care about the Trump thing, but uh, 
no, it was nice to see. Uh, it was nice to see Kelvin Gaslam um, getting the win there. You know, it was a, uh, it was a, uh, it was not, it was not the worst thing in the in the world. Uh, okay, we have a question here from at Nate Gilday. He, uh, he just asked for me, why do I not like tea, and how do I live with myself? I just don't like tea. Are you a big tea man? Yeah, you like tea. Yeah, I'm not, I don't drink. Tea. You if you don't like tea, don't drink coffee. I drink the odd cup of tea, like maybe once every six months or something. But I would never ever drink drinking coffee. coffee. Not drinking coffee is acceptable, just about. But not drinking tea is, is not acceptable. Why, like, why would you drink tea? Just why wouldn't you? Don't know. Just keep you keep you warm. Yeah, love tastes lovely. What do you want? You can dip your biscuits in it. It's fucking unbelievable. You love dipping your fucking biscuits, all right, don't you? <laughs> what do you mean? Um, I don't know. It's kind of perverted. <laughs> right. Oh, question here. Who, who's it from? Hold on. I just missed it. We'll, we'll make this the last question. Uh, da, 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 where is it again? Yeah. From Vile at Vile Resede. If Holloway beats Aldo, does he go up and fight McGregor? Or would do you think McGregor could come down to fight him? Um, it's, like, it's such a far reaching. Um, into the future, uh, I, I don't know. Um, does Holloway really want to chase McGregor? Does he? Does he want to? He said he wanted to become. He wanted to become the fight himself. You know, he. Yeah. He doesn't want to be chasing. He wants to be the, the guy that everybody wants to fight in that division. I don't know if he wants to chase McGregor up to fifty-five. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Holloway seems to me the type of guy who wants to kind of hold the belt. And, you know, as you said there, like earlier, that he's lost to McGregor was something, you know, that, okay, he obviously cares about it, but it doesn't like eat him up inside like it it does Jose Aldo. I think it was an early setback in his career. Obviously, he had had a few of them, but um, Mm. it was something he's overcome and actually made him better, you know, so... I don't. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think he he's happy you now. If he if he can beat Aldo and become the champion, and I think he'll probably stay there and he'll probably defend it against uh, whoever whoever they put in front of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there we go. Another week in the books. Fun one. Um, if you have any questions for us for next week, get them in to at Severe May Pod. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Sean Sheehan BA. You can follow Graham at Severe May. Get me to me on Facebook. Um, at Sean Sheehan MMA, you can get uh, the severe. If you search severe MMA, you'll find the severe MMA Facebook page as well, uh, and all that good stuff. You can find us on Instagram as well at severe MMA. Uh, right, Graham. Any more uh, before we go? Any any parting words? Um, no, just uh, this this Bama and Bellator cards. I'm looking forward to it. it. Should be good if you're if you're around the area. Uh, you should go down. I think I think um. To some of the the, the up and coming talent, even even not Irish talent, even like Tom Duke and people like that, this is probably the last chance you're going to get to see him before before he goes to big promotion. And I know how people like to to get into ground floor, or, or so to speak. So, um, yeah, Bellator or Bamator on uh, Friday in the Three Arena in Dublin. Right, that's all from us for this week. Just before we go, here comes your inspirational quote. The difference between jealousy and criticism is confidence. See you next Tuesday.